So praise God. Amen. You are free to use in-call messages to interact. Let's let's have a fun time. Uh, and also let's have a very interactive time in our learning. Okay, so we are looking at the subject of altars. Okay, we are looking at the subject of altars. And today I want to look at a few laws of altars. Okay, so I'll define altars. Then I'll go into the laws of altars. Okay, I may not finish tonight, but um, we'll see how far I can really go. Okay, so we really want to look at the laws of altars. Okay, we want to really, really look at the laws of altars. So that's what we are looking at tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. Now we we are we are in the Christ we are in Christian circles, okay? And in Christian circles, one of the things that I have discovered within Christian circles is that sometimes in Christian circles we use a lot of terms without actually knowing what they meant, okay? We use a lot of terms without actually knowing what they actually mean. You know, sometimes you just keep hearing people say an altar, 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 altar. You don't even know what it means. Sometimes you hear people say the anointing, the anointing. And because you have been using it so long, you feel you feel shy to even ask, what does the anointing mean? I don't really know. I've been hearing the anointing for years. I don't know what it means. I've been hearing altar for years. Sometimes you hear people say otako. What do they mean when they say otako? Okay, sometimes people will say come to the altar and you will rush there. You don't know what it means because you've heard it long enough. You don't even know how to ask. So today we want to look at the subject of altars so that you can be well equipped on knowing what altars are, how altars operate, and the laws that govern altars. Because everything in the realm of the spirit is organized. The realm of the spirit is more organized than the natural realm. The realm of the spirit is more organized than the natural realm. Many people feel they will jump into the realm of the spirit or jump into heaven. And all that they will find is, you know, clouds floating in heaven and angels singing hallelujah. No, heaven is much more organized than that. That is why when Job, you know, had a challenge with God. The question he was asked is, do you know the ordinances of heaven? Do you know the protocols and patterns of heaven? Can you establish them here on earth? He's being told that there are patterns and protocols that you must follow in the realm of heaven. You don't just do things merely because you felt, ah, oh, you know, heaven is, you know, a disorganized place. The spirit realm is so disorganized, organized rather, more organized than the natural realm. Okay, more organized than the natural realm. So it's very, very important for us to actually uh, begin to learn, okay, how things work. If you don't know how these things work, you will forever be sincere. But sincerity in the realm of the spirit alone is not enough. You may be sincere, say, Lord, Lord, I'm sincerely in trouble. Sincerity may not count, okay? Sincerity may not count if you don't understand the protocols that govern different things. You may cry genuinely, but if you don't know how things work, you will keep crying and crying and crying because you don't know how things work. So what is an altar? Let's start from there. Okay, so I'll, I'll try and borrow some definitions from different authors that have written on the subject. Okay, an altar is a supernatural landing strip. Okay, an altar is a supernatural landing strip. An altar is a power station. An altar is a consecrated place. It is a place of exchange. It is a place of sacrifice. It is a table of fellowship. A place where uh, covenants are made and sustained. It is a spiritual platform where spirits, God, angels, or demons land. It is where humanity meets with divinity. Okay, an altar is also a system of authorization for promises, vows, and agreements between divinity and humanity. Okay, so an altar becomes that landing strip. It becomes a platform upon which a spirit can descend. Now, a spirit cannot descend upon the realm of the earth until there is a platform. So no spirit can find expression in the realm of the earth until there is a platform. So an altar becomes that platform upon which a spirit can actually descend to find expression in the realm of the earth. So altars become platforms upon which spirits descend. They are places of exchange. They are places of covenant. They are places where agreements are made. They are places where um, 
you know, power is wielded. Those are power stations. They are places of remembrance. Altars were also erected as places of re remembrance. When a man comes to into an encounter with God, okay, they would erect an altar. And the reason why they are erecting an altar is because they want to trap the encounter that they had with God on an altar. So you will find if a man has an encounter with God, says, oh, surely I encountered the Lord in this place and this place will be called so-and-so. And then you will read that he then erected an altar. That, what that means is that that person is trying to trap the encounter by an altar. So even encounters that you have with the Lord, you cannot sustain them until you learn to trap them by an altar. Okay, so you may have an encounter with God. You discover, no, I had a vision. I had a vision, but I'm no longer having visions. When you have a vision, you erect an altar to trap that encounter as a monument, a platform of remembrance. Okay, so altars are those different definitions, places of exchange, places of convenience, places of power, places where spirits ascend and descend. Okay, places where... Um, you know, convenance actually made. So that's what an altar really is. Now, altars are twofold. Altars can be stationary. Altars can be mobile, okay? Altars can be stationary. Altars can be mobile. More, much of the stationary altars uh, are seen in the Old Testament, okay? Much of the stationary altars are seen in the Old Testament. They would erect literal stationary altars. You will see it. Okay, but in the New Testament dispensation, most of the altars are mobile altars. Okay, so a an altar can be stationary or it can be mobile. A church can become an altar, an institution, a church building because of the activity that happens there. That place literally just becomes an altar. Okay, so altars can be stationary, altars can be mobile, altars can be buildings, can be institutions, altars can be people. Okay, you can be an altar. You can be, as a human being, a mobile altar. That when you go into a certain place, you bring the reality of the encounter that rests upon that altar. Okay, it's very, very important to actually understand that. That is why men can wield certain things. You will find that the same meeting, it was a code meeting. Okay, the angels of God, the angels of the glory of the Lord. By the way, the angels of the glory, let me try and slow down so that I can explain properly. There's nothing I'm rushing for. Okay, uh, I can even take another day to handle this if I don't finish. Okay, so for example, you can be in a meeting and while you are in that meeting, you realize that the meeting is cold, the meeting is dry. The angels of the glory of the Lord, which are angels that are associated with uh, bringing the atmosphere of God's glory into a meeting. Now, you now discover that because you are in that particular meeting, nothing is happening. People are ministering. Nothing is happening until someone comes and hold the micro holds the microphone. Someone will now come and hold the microphone. And the moment they hold the microphone, all of a sudden, the atmosphere begins to get charged. An atmosphere that you were not envisioning to actually change. An environment that you were looking at and you were wondering, can God actually move in this environment? Another person comes and they hold the microphone and angels begin ascending and descending. Why? Because an individual who is a mobile altar has come. And it's upon that individual who has become a platform upon which angels can ascend and descend. Okay? Has actually come. So when that person has actually come, you notice angelic activity becomes high. Spiritual activity becomes high. Why? Because a man who is a mobile altar has come into a place. That is why if you read of uh, Kenneth E. Hagen's story, it was said that when Kenneth E. Hagin goes into a city, it felt like the Bluetooth of heaven was turned on. That was the narrative of uh, an individual explaining the level of faith that would saturate a place. When Kenneth Hagin comes into a city, you may not be in a meeting, but because Kenneth E. Hagin has come into a city, the atmosphere becomes so charged for faith. You are in Ch Chibolia. He is in Kanyama. But you notice the atmosphere so charged for faith that you can believe God for something. And it happens. Why? Because an, a mobile altar has come into a place. So angels are ascending and descending upon that man. Things, spiritual activity is happening upon that particular individual. When Benihim goes into a city, the cloud of God's healing power becomes so intense. When Renard Bonke would go into a city, the, 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 um, 
the harvester angels begin to move over the city that you hear testimonies of people giving their lives to the Lord even when they were not in that particular crusade. Meanwhile, people are just giving their lives to the Lord. Why? Because a man who embodies a mobile altar has come into a place. Then altars can also be stationary. It can be an institution, a building. The moment you get into a particular place, there is an altar, a charged environment. You just get to KCCR, you just discover the atmosphere of God's glory is charged. Why? Because that place has become saturated with spiritual activity. So altars can be mobile, they can be stationary, they can be institutions, and they can be people. I didn't know that this is a law in the spirit. When I started the church, when we started Kingdom Come Church International, I thought because I was doing chosen generation and God was moving over the heaven come meetings, God was moving over the glory meetings we were having, and God was moving mightily. I thought that when we start the church, God will automatically begin to move over the church. Then I discovered that in the realm of the spirit, Kingdom Come Church did not have its own altar. The altar that was recognized in the spirit was chosen generation. So, so long as I am calling this thing Kingdom Come Church, it cannot benefit from that other altar. So we now had to erect an altar for this new ministry. That is why you will find that there are certain people, they will leave a church. They feel they are anointed because in church they are flourishing. Things are moving, not knowing that's a stationary altar. You are, you are functioning by the power of the altar that is in that building. You now say, it's, it's my worship that gets people jacked up. You know, it's my preaching that gets people stared. Do you see when I just hold the microphone, things change. All over, Pastor, you say that you leave the church after two weeks, you dry up because you are now being told that altar that you were benefiting from was an institutional altar over your church. Now that you have started your own thing, you must erect another altar in the spirit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Like in Because I'm starting to enjoy myself a little. I feel like I will start playing to the gallery. Okay, great. So altars can be stationary. Altars can be mobile. Now let's deal with the laws of altars. What are the laws that govern altars? Okay, what are the laws that govern altars? What are the laws that govern altars? Number one, altars always have a dedicated human attendant. Okay, altars always have a dedicated human attendant. Every altar has a human attendant. First Kings chapter number 13, 1 to 2. First Kings chapter number 13, verses number 1 to 2. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came to Judah, to Bethel, uh, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the uh, the altar, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named uh, 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 Josiah will be born... Uh, will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests on uh, sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. So you must understand that every human every altar has a human attendant. When there is a demonic altar in a family and that demonic altar has been erect, erected for example, by the way altars should be viewed in the positive because altars started from the positive sense, the devil just perverted them. So when I use negative uh, uh, illustrations, it's not to mean when you hear altar, you are just thinking of witches. No, you can build an altar that speaks as a blessing for your generation. You can build an altar that speaks as a blessing for uh, generations to come and for your children. So the only reason I'm using negative senses as uh, explanations is to balance it up. Otherwise, altars are... Uh, uh, are initiated by God. God himself initiated altars. So now we are reading here that, okay, there they had to be a human attendant on the altar, okay? There had to be a man standing on the altar to make an offering. Now, if an altar, for example, has been erected, and that altar has been erected to say that every person in your family, by the age of 25, they should become drunkards, every man. But So the, 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 the power that is coming from that altar is by virtue of the human attendant. Because when an altar is in a place and there is no human attendant, that altar will lose its power. So there has to be someone attending to that altar. 
So when you notice that there is consistent activity happening in a family, just know that there is a human attendant on that altar. That human attendant may be attending to the altar knowingly and unknowingly. If an altar of perversion has been erected in a family, Okay, some people may be bound and they don't know that by giving themselves to masturbation, giving themselves to pornography, they are actually servicing an altar because every altar needs a human attendant. So you are you thought you were just you know, giving to pornography. Meanwhile, you didn't know that was an altar calling you. I know you guys sing the song by is it by Theophilus Sunday says, My altar is calling you. When, when you notice a man is drawn to prayer, it's because the altar is demanding prayer. Because the altar cannot function until the human attendant begins to work on that particular altar. So every time you notice that you are being drawn to do something you don't want to do. Pornography is just pulling you. You know, the things you are fighting are just pulling you. It's because your that, that demonic altar in the family is beginning to starve. That order is beginning to starve. And so sometimes if that order has dictated that everyone by the age of 25, okay, should start moving into fornication, you will notice the time you reach 25, the pressure to fornicate will become so intense. Why? Because that order is actually drawing you. That order is actually calling you. It needs a human attendant for it to come alive. So every altar has a human attendant. It explains why demons riot when they lose control over a human attendant. That is why demons are so upset when you begin to evangelize. Why? Because that may be the human attendant that is servicing an altar by pornography. That may be a human attendant servicing the altar by masturbation, by fornication. They are the ones that are allowing for that altar to enjoy privileges in that particular family. So the moment you begin to reach out to people, you are trying to draw their human attendant away from that altar. And so when you begin to draw the human attendant away from the altar, the demons will riot because they know that that altar will remain ineffective in the realm of the earth because the human attendant, okay, has been dealt with. I've talked about the law of territory and the law of territory is that no spirit finds expression until there is a man to give that particular permission. So it's very, very important that you understand that some people knowingly are human attendants. They even know, some people know that they need to service an altar. Okay, this is when it reaches witchcraft level. People will service an altar knowingly because an altar needs a human attendant. Some will do it unknowingly. You didn't know that you're sleeping around was actually you servicing an altar. You didn't know that your fornication was you servicing an altar. Pornography was you servicing an altar because that altar needed a human attendant to come alive. That is why you will notice that when a girl, a boy, starts to sleep with people, you will notice that even the stubbornness will become high. What are you telling me? Who are you to tell me? I can control my life. Just know that there is an altar that is powering that behavior. So that human attendant starts to do that and the altar is empowered to function. Okay? So every altar needs a human attendant. So these are laws of altars. Even a godly altar. Someone stand on their microphone. Esther, please help me. I really need to work around the teaching. So please, let's not turn off the microphone. Esther, turn off the microphone and the camera. I'll really appreciate that. Okay? Please don't make me lose inspiration. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. Okay, so every every altar needs, what was I saying again, needs a human attendant. Even a godly altar, it will need a human attendant. Okay, when you erect an altar for generational blessings and the covenant on that altar was that you will continually be a tither, that altar will need a human attendant to sustain, to sustain that altar, to sustain that altar, attend to that altar, service that altar. Okay, so every altar needs a human attendant. That's the first law of altars. Number two, every altar has got a guiding or supervising spirit. Every altar has got a guiding or supervising spirit. And by the way, there's many people that want to come into the meeting. So if you're thinking of leaving, uh, please, you will not be allowed in. We are almost uh, reaching uh, the, 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 the max, which is like 100. So if you leave and allow other people in, you will not be in. Okay, so every altar has got a guiding or supervising spirit. So tell your internet to behave. Okay, every altar has got a guiding or supervising spirit. 
Okay, Judges chapter number 6 and verses number 25. Judges 6 and 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's head, the one uh, seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to bow. Tear down your father's altar to bow and cut down the um, Asherah pole beside it. So this altar that was erected, okay, was erected unto bow. So the spirit that was supervising that altar is that is, is 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 was called bow okay so every altar will have a supervising spirit the supervising spirit may be a lustful spirit the supervising spirit may be a sickness okay that's the supervising spirit and that sickness requires certain re- things okay because every spirit will be hungry for different things so that supervising spirit that is on that altar oh no generational sicknesses so the the the, the spirit that is resting on that altar uh, propagates generational sicknesses that spirit will be on that altar and will be supervising the activity that should happen do this bring this do this do this many of you don't know let me tell you this because many of you feel when we are talking about the subject of altars is because you went to one shrine and you sacrificed there no even because you are a mobile altar you may find just one activity was a supervising spirit saying what i need is for you to sleep with three girls so you just felt like you became a cool dude. All of the sudden, girls started looking, oh, you're so cute, you're so cool. And now we're going to chase this You didn't know that the supervising spirit was seeking that three girls are the ones you sleep with for it to be satisfied and continue its operations either in the family, in your life, in the church. So the supervising spirit will guide what should happen. There is no altar without a supervising spirit. Every altar has got a spirit. If you erect an, an altar unto your way, okay, the Holy Spirit will supervise that altar. He will tell you to give. He will tell you to love people. He will tell you to pray. He will tell you to fast. The supervising spirit will direct the activities of the altar. Woe unto the one who has erected an altar unto a different spirit because demonic spirits are bad masters. So you will notice that before you know it, the error you will move into will be so strange because the supervising spirit is demanding strange things. Why do you think people, you just hear a story, oh, we are in Nembushi, you just hear that this one, you know, got a chicken and slept with the chicken. All manners of perversion. Why is that perversion happening? Why should someone look at a chicken and they are aroused by looking at a chicken? It's because the supervising spirit is sponsored by perversion. It needs perversion for it to be strong. So that supervising spirit will now begin to request for perversion. Find a two-year-old child. What are you seeing in a two-year-old child? Find a chicken. What are you seeing in a chicken? Find a goat. What are you seeing in a goat? It's because the supervising spirit begins to draw someone's heart. Okay, there's a story I read. Someone's own designation was that they moved into such error because the supervising spirit was constantly requiring for more uh, more perversion, more perversion for it to be stronger, more perversion, more perversion until he got to a place where the only women he wants to sleep with are, are pregnant women. He, if you're not pregnant, he can't sleep with you. If he starts talking to you, ask, are you pregnant? No, you're not pregnant. Ah, no, we can't, we can't work. If he finds you're pregnant, he gets excited. That's a supervising spirit. Okay, that's a supervising spirit. So demonic authors must be destroyed. And I'll tell you how we can do that if God gives me time. If not, we'll find another day. Okay, so that you can learn again. Or I'll say I'll teach it at church so that you visit us some. Because you don't want to be visiting KCCI. Anyway, let's move. Number three, praise the Lord. That's a nice joke. Number three, okay. Um, Number three. <laughs> okay, number three. All altars are powered by the sacrifice of the human attendant. Okay? All altars are powered by the sacrifice of the human attendant. The third law of altars is that all altars are powered by sacrifice of the human attendant. Okay? All altars are powered by the sacrifice of the human attendant. Second Samuel chapter number 24, uh, 24 to 25. Okay? But the king replied to Aruna, okay, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice, uh, I will not sacrifice to the Lord 
my burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So uh, is it David? He's trying to offer a sacrifice. Okay, someone says, I will pay for it. God, David says, no, I will not allow you to pay for it. Why? Because I will not offer to God sacrifices that will not cost me anything. So David brought, uh, brought to the threshing floor uh, the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayers, uh, on behalf of the land and the plague of Israel was stopped. So Aruna, okay, Aruna wants to offer the sacrifice before the king. He says, king, don't worry, I'll do it for you. You know, and sometimes people will try and do that. That's why, let me tell you this. Sometimes some people will try and offer the sacrifice for you. Listen, if the sacrifice has not struck your heart, it can't empower your altar. Sometimes you just want to pray for me, pray for me. People just want to be prayed for. They don't want to pray. Fast for me, fast for me. You have put me on a three-day fast for you, but you are in hungry, lion. David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. You know why he's saying that statement? Is because someone wanted to offer the sacrifice for him and say, you are the king. Let me offer the sacrifice for you. Don't struggle. Don't bother yourself. Say no to people praying for you. Say no to people fasting for you. In as much as that's important that we pray for each other when we are in crisis, when we have challenges, but where you reach a place where someone is doing your devotion for you, that is not in order. Okay, that is not in order. You have even stopped praying. You are just watching prayer meetings. You even log into people praying. You now just start watching a prayer. That's that's not that's that's not that's not a sacrifice. No, I was just, I was just listening to Victoria Orenze pray. Pray also. Why are you just listening to her pray? You must offer a sacrifice that costs you something. So the strength of any altar is dependent on the dedication and the sacrifices of the human attendant. So because every altar is powered by the sacrifices of the human attendant, it tells you that the power of any altar, the strength of any altar is dependent on the sacrifices of the human attendant. The more the sacrifice, the stronger the altar. Even in the demonic, the more someone can sacrifice their relatives, their family, their children, their loved ones, the more power they will wield in the demonic. So the more sacrifice someone puts on an altar, the more powerful that altar becomes. Okay, the more powerful that altar becomes, the more sacrifice you put on your godly altar, the more powerful that altar becomes. The type of altar erected will determine the type of sacrifice needed. So different sacrifices, if you've erected an altar of financial dominion, that altar may require sacrifice in giving. If you've erected an altar of which you wanted to speak for you in the light of power, that altar may require sacrifice of uh, the sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of fasting. So every altar will be powered by the sacrifice on that altar. All the witches, even in witchcraft, there are those witches that are weak. They have not sacrificed much. And then there are those witches that are strong because they have sacrificed so much. They have literally even sacrificed their wives. Some have sacrificed their children. Their children have gone crazy. That is why their altars are so powerful because of the sacrifice there. So every altar is powered by the sacrifice on that altar. So sometimes when God is calling you to fast, it's because he has seen that the forces of darkness after you are so intense. So he wants you to power up your altar. So I know what powers up my altar. I know when my altar is weak. I don't challenge witches when my altar is... Don't say we are in the grace of God. You will die proclaiming grace. Okay? You must power your altar because these are spiritual principles. These are spiritual laws. Okay? The spirit realm is governed by laws. Don't start challenging witches when your altar is weak. Your altar is dry. Then you now just wake up and say, I challenge the principality over Zambia. I told you that. Didn't I tell you the story of how a, fr- a couple of friends uh, uh, and myself, we formed a group called Tongue Speaking Guys. We just spoke in tongues for 30 minutes. And then I made the proclamation. I said, I challenge the principality over the nation of Zambia. All of us the next day got chicken pox because we did not, <laughs> we did not power up our altar for the type of confrontation we were trying to engage in. Even witches themselves, let me tell you, you are laughing, but this is true. Okay, listen and listen well. 
Even witches themselves will not engage you until their altar is alive. You know why witches love to engage you at night? You know why witches love to strike you? You can sleep during the day. You will sleep peacefully. You will notice a witch will try and panel beat you in the night. Will try and choke you in the night. Will try and defile you in the night. Will try and, you know, do all sorts of strange things by night. It's because at the night hour, that is when witches offer the best sacrifice. When everyone is sleeping, that is when they are, you know, busy offering sacrifices, making incantations incantations you you are sleeping they are making sacrifice they know that the night is not you see the night is not powerful merely because it's the night it's powerful because of the sacrifice sacrifice is a heart issue it's not just a practice issue so because the night is sacrificial to stay up when everyone is sleeping to stay up when you are feeling like sleeping that is sacrificial so when witches stay up by night you know, then you now notice they will strike an attack because their altars are powerful. Then you say, Jesus, 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 and nothing is happening because your altar is weak. This, the thing I am telling you now is not sentimental. In the spirit realm, no sentiments are allowed. You have to understand the laws. So you might be trying to challenge a family power. Your altar is not powered enough. They have sacrificed more than you. So sometimes God will now begin to require food. You say, give me six months because he has seen that it is only after six months of prayer and fasting that your altar will come alive. That when you speak, the altar that has been troubling your family will be destroyed so he will be requiring sacrifice he will be de- requiring that you sacrifice he will be requiring your sleep sometimes so, some of the sacrifices that an altar will require a godly altar will require is sleep and food because these are the deepest these are sacrifice <laughs> i'm telling you i know sacrifice like i'm telling you the truth Sometimes, you know, you are a gentleman, you are pursuing a nice lady, you know, you have been, pers- and we were joking about this earlier, you've been pursuing a nice lady, pursuing a nice lady, she's been just turning you down, turning you down, this is your crush, you've been pursuing her. After six months of pursuing her, she now gives you an opening, okay, she now gives you an opening and says, okay, great, uh, I'll give you a chance, uh, we, can, we can meet over lunch. You start dressing up, you know, it's 12 hours, your meeting is 13 hours, that is when now the Holy Spirit comes and he says, Switch off your phone right now. Then you say, but okay, Holy Ghost, let me explain to her. Say, switch off your phone and don't explain to anyone. Then go to the prayer altar. You know why he has asked for that one? He's asked for, he could have asked for anything else. He's not asked for your vehicle because he knows your vehicle is not a sacrifice. So he knows you have been single for a long time. So he asked for that particular one because in your spirit, in your heart, it will register as sacrifice. Then you turn off your phone. You even know that girl will not call you anymore. You even know she will feel you turn her down. You will switch off your phone. And the spirit realm, you know, the spirit realm doesn't respond to sentiments. It responds to obedience and sacrifice. Okay, so when you have now put your sacrifice on that altar, then your altar will come alive. There was a time, I, I remember my wife was coming from the, uh, from the Copa Bell. I've shared this several times. I think, no, Solwezi. We had not seen each other for months. She was coming with a lot of bags. She was moving or something. Coming with a lot of bags. She needed someone to help her. There was no one to help her. So she really, really needed someone to help her. Agatha, please, let me teach. Let me teach. Your altar is coming alive already. (laughs) Okay, great. So I now, what was I? So please, guys, don't disturb me so that I don't lose inspiration. Okay, so she now calls me. She says she uh, she wants us to, she wants me to help her. Okay, she wants me to help her. She was now my, she was my girlfriend then. So, okay. Great. That was the time the Holy Spirit says, start praying at 05 and switch off your phone. She was going to arrive at 12. Says, start praying at 05, end the prayers at 14 hours. I say, ah, what manner of thing is this? What if I start at 05 and then, then I said, okay, maybe let me start at 03 so that I can end early and see, see, see my girlfriend. I said, no, start at 05, end at 14. But then by then she would have reached. Who will help her with the bugs? Said, switch off your phone and start prayers. I switched off my phone, started prayers. She arrived. She called me, called me, called me. Cowboys, you know, manhandled her, troubled her with her bugs, gave her problems. That day, I, when I switched off my phone, I even knew she would not talk to me. <laughs> 
But my altar came alive because of the sacrifice on that altar. So every altar is powered by sacrifice. So all this thing you don't want to sacrifice, you don't want to pray, you don't want to fast. We are calling for 36-hour prayer marathon. You don't want to be in the 36-hour prayer. I've got Christmas. That is why Christmas has been asked for. Because it's a sacrifice that will power up your altar. Say, no, couldn't they pick another day? Come on, salad and Christmas. You know, Christmas, hello to my salads. How many salads have you been eating? Okay, my vegetable salads. Not Today, you have my vegetable salad. If you want, visit me. I will try and make you some salads. Okay, what will make the difference if you eat the salads on the 25th? What will make the difference if you drink the Fanta on the 25th? Come to the marathon. Come and empower your altar with 36 hours. 36 hours is not just a time frame. It also represents sacrifice. Because in 36 hours, people will not sleep for 24 hours plus 12 hours. That is sacrifice. When that is received on my altar, I can tell you my altar will come alive. After 24 hours prayer marathon, the chants on my life have come alive. I will chant and deliverance will happen. I will chant and people are being healed. I will chant and things are happening. Why? Because that 24-hour prayer marathon was received as a sacrifice. And I didn't know that some of the things I'm doing now existed on my altar, but my altar needed sacrifice to come alive. What is it that you are placing on your altar to impact that altar. So every altar is powered by sacrifice. Some of you, you are even thinking of the sacrifice you were told to put on your altar. You don't know that. You see, God is so nice. He will not ask that you sacrifice and kill your wife. No, he's not like those demonic supervising spirits. He's a good God. He'll just say sacrifice three meals. He'll just say sacrifice one week. Okay, you are trying to challenge the forces in your family with a weak altar. It doesn't work like that. You have to erect a powerful, strong altar. When I'm going to minister in places that are so hard, I will erect a very hot altar. When I'm going to KCCI, I can even pray two minutes, three minutes, and I go. Because the altar at KCCI is already alive. Sometimes I'm going to churches that have got dry altars. Forces of darkness are in that church. Forces of darkness are in that region. So if I'm to counter those altars where I'm going to minister, I am to erect a strong altar. Sometimes I'll go seven days and I'm not eating. I'm just praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. Seven days. Praying. Praying. When I now go and I hold the microphone and I begin to speak deliverance happens miracle happens you know miracles happen things begin to happen why because my altar is alive okay my altar is alive and let me add another one uh wallace i'm at sacrifice okay let me add another one what we call warfare is basically two altars being put aside when two altars come into contact that is what you call warfare so when a demonic altar comes into contact with uh I think I'll end with this. I, I have so many points, but ish. Uh, let's leave some for KCCI. <laughs> ah, praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. What we call warfare is basically uh, altars coming into contact. What we call warfare is basically altars coming into contact. What we call warfare is a result of two opposing altars standing side by side. First Samuel chapter number uh first Samuel chapter number five, one to three. First Samuel chapter number five, verses number one to three. It says, After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it uh, from Ebenezer to Ashod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. Then the people of Ashod rose early the next day. There was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground. Before the ark of the Lord, they took Dagon and put him back in his place. Let me unravel that scripture for you. Okay, so the ark of the uh, the ark of the covenant or the ark of God was a uh, uh, was uh, was an altar. It was also mobile, but it required men to move it. Okay, so it was a mobile altar. So they go with it in war, and when they go with it in war, what now happens is that it's captured by the Philistines. So an altar is captured by the Philistines. They are altar. Okay, the altar of the children of God is captured by the Philistines. When it's now captured by the Philistines, the Philistines got it into their temple. When they got it and they put it in their temple, they put it next to Dagon. Dagon was a demonic altar. So they now got the Ark of the Covenant, which is a, an altar of God, and they put it next to Dagon. And the next morning when they wake up, they find that Dagon had fallen on his face. Okay? Dagon had fallen on his face. Now, 
this is telling you that when two otters come into contact, the superior otter, that's the, is it the fourth or fifth, whichever number you're at, fifth or sixth, okay, sixth law of otters, the superior otter always wins. So now let's read again, First uh, Samuel 5, let's go to verse 4 now. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken and cut off. So the first day, Dagon fell. They didn't get the message. They lifted Dagon again, put it next to the Ark of the Covenant. The next day, this time around, okay, his head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. That is why to this day, neither the priests or uh, of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple of Ashod step on the threshold. The Lord's hand was so heavy on the people of Ashod and its vicinity he brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumors. When the people of Ashod saw what was happening, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy on us and on Dagon. So the, the altar that they had stolen, they decided to take it back. That is why some people hate you in your family. That is why some people hate you at your workplace. Because you are carrying the altar of God. So when you now come into the workplace, they don't want you. Because calamity starts to happen around there. Because you are a mobile altar. So when you now step, you're saying, why does my boss hate me? Uh, you don't know the altar he services. Warfare is when two altars come into contact. And the superior altar always wins. Okay, so I've given you, I don't know if it's five or six. Okay, the fifth one must have been that warfare is as a result of two otters coming into contact. The sixth is that the superior otter will always win. Apparently, because we are not sacrificial people, our otters are not superior to demonic otters. You may say, well, my otter is powered by the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to sacrifice. You need to empower the otter. You need to service the otter so that... The person of the Holy Spirit, quote-unquote, for lack of better terms, could be empowered to operate. He wants to help you, but your sacrifice is weak. That is why you will discover men that carried heavy power, men that carried transformational power, were men of heavy sacrifice, and their altars came alive. Every time their altars came into contact with demonic altars, demonic altars fell. You're saying, no, you know, uh, gaya. <laughs> You know, we are talking of men that had altars that were so empowered. Uh, you, many of you talk of Benson Idahosa challenging witches, you know, challenging witches, telling them your meeting won't hold, etc., etc. You've read many of those testimonies. I mean, the man had a 24-hour prayer marathon every week. Every week he had 24 hours of tanging. Every week it was part of his regiment. You know, we talk of Babalola and all those people. Those men had prayer regiments that were strange. The man, normal prayer schedule is nine hours every day. Normal prayer schedule, nine, nine to 12 hours every day. That's normal prayer schedule. Then he's got marathons where he'll do three days. You know, he'll do two days. You know, he, that's his regiment. You are telling me that a man that has got that level of sacrifice will not command that, that amount of power. Where is your sacrifice? When you begin to sacrifice, your altar will come alive. You are trying to be like certain men, yet your altar is weak. You are trying to challenge certain things, yet your altar is weak. Empower your altar with sacrifice. Empower it with sacrifice. Just decide, okay, great. This is what I'm going to do. Every day I'll begin to pray for eight hours. Just do it for three weeks, four weeks, one month, two months. You will notice that your altar will start breathing. It will become a living organism. It will be breathing. The, your altar will come alive. It will, when you peep into the spirit, you will literally see your altar has life. It's breathing almost like it's got a heartbeat. When you make a decree, say, unless at my word, it shall not rain. Indeed, it shall not rain. Why? Because your altar is alive. Your altar is alive. Your altar is alive. And let me give you another law of altars is that Otters speak, every otter speaks, and how loud the voice is, is dependent on the power of the otter, okay? How loud the voice is, is dependent on the power of the altar. Acts chapter number 10, 1 to 4. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing 
he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctively saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius, okay, uh, and stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. So Cornelius had erected an altar of devotion and he was constantly giving, constantly praying on that altar. That was his sacrifice. His sacrifice on the altar was giving and praying, giving and praying. Now, the, the weight of Cornelius's sacrifice was so heavy that the altar began to speak for him in the courts of heaven, summoning angels. An angel is coming saying, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial. Okay, in the courts of heaven, what is your altar saying? Many of you, your otters are quiet. You are sleeping. Witches are trying to attack you. Your otter can't speak because there is no offering there. There is no sacrifice there. There is nothing you have put on it, so your otter is quiet. So how loud the voice will be on the otter is dependent on the sacrifice you put on the otter. Your otter will speak for you. That is why you are going for a job interview. You just woke up. You just woke up. You have not been praying. Then you get anointing oil and you anoint the envelope. You have not been praying. And you think your otter will speak. Some Someone has been baptizing themselves in charms for seven days. Just know you are not going go back home and go and pray. You won't get that job. Forget it because remember the law of altars is that the superior altar wins. And the superior altar is not that me as we are of God, as we are children of God. So God is all powerful. No, you have to empower the spirit behind the altar to work for you. Okay, so don't think that because we are superior, we are child of God. We're children of God. No, it won't work like that. You must empower, alight that altar. You must alight that altar so that when you come into contact with the forces of darkness, your altar is very much alive because altars speak. And when your, altars ha- when your altar has got a loud voice, you will notice even when men are trying to discredit you, your altar will be speaking. Allow him. Allow him. Allow him. You are a preacher. The church gathered. They were trying to host a big conference. They don't want to invite you. People have said, no, don't invite this one. Your altar is so alive. As you are turning in your bedroom, Shakianta, Ilobranta Kababila, the, 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 the guest speak, I mean, the, the host minister, all of a the sudden, the pastor of the church begins to dream about you, begins to dream about you. No, 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 no. Your altar is speaking to him. He must preach. He must preach. He must preach. He must preach. Before you know it, they say, ah, okay, that's but come. They don't even know why they've called you. Your author is speaking. Sometimes it's at the workplace. You find that people do not want you. People, they don't want to promote you. Everyone is saying, don't promote this guy. We don't want this guy to be promoted. When you are in a place like Cornelius, where your author is constantly serviced, Please don't disturb my inspiration. Where your altar is constantly serviced, you will notice that your altar will come alive. Mwiza, turn off your microphone. You will notice that your altar will come alive. And when your altar comes alive, you will discover that your altar will begin to speak for you. You will notice your altar will be speaking. Your altar will be speaking. People don't want to promote you, but your altar is speaking loudly. Even when demonic altars rise and say, don't promote him, your altar will rise and say, he must be promoted. When you're not recommended, your altar rise because altars have got voices and for Cornelius his altar spoke in the courts of heaven summoning an angel many of you don't know that the reason why you notice that for example an opportunity comes it just dies a girl was about to say yes to you all of a sudden she just has a disturbing dream about you you are not a bad guy but all of a sudden she just dreams that now now so you are just walking she just says hey this is dangerous she now just says ah no 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 i saw you know i i, I thought about it she now lies you know it's because pastor cham told me to wait i'm on a ban right now it's because a demonic author used your face and spoke negatively about you discrediting you when you are dealing with otters and your otter is alive to speak for you you will not even need to speak sometimes you are trying to you know you're, 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 you're you know I've, I've shared the story of how i never looked at my wife in an attractive way god spoke to her that the man is pastor cham she just began praying over it every day Lord, if it's him, you will tell him. You will speak to him. I'm not going to tell him. You will speak to him. All of the sudden, from nowhere, I just love her nose. Why do you love her nose? It's because an otter is implicating you. So all of the sudden, I just noticed a girl I didn't have any greed for. I was just looking at her as a sister. All of the sudden, I begin to look at her in a certain way. 
kambo kumonika we know I'm contemplating taking walks with her I'm contemplating all. it's because the altar Muiza please the altar now began speaking the altar was speaking the altar was speaking the altar was speaking the altar was speaking so you must ensure that your altar is speaking for you okay the altar is speaking for you that is why even in the subject uh, uh, of of uh, if you look at the subject of tithe you will notice something about the subject of tithe okay when you look at the subject of tithe, you will notice something about the subject of tithe. In Malachi chapter number 3, because the issue of tithe is also the issue of altars, you will notice that tithe, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing that there will be no room, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So when you begin to tithe, you will notice that God himself will speak. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your altar will speak. When the devourer wants to steal, rebuked when thieves come in a compound they still here they still here as they are about to go into your compound the devourer is rebuked they say guys one book let's knock off the devourer is rebuked because your altar is speaking let me end with the last one we could do more but uh, i'll look at altars as places of exchange convenant later but let's deal with the last one if all altars can speak all altars can also listen Okay, all otters also listen. Otters have ears. They listen. Okay, they hear. That's how we can destroy demonic otters because otters hear. Okay, they hear. Otters also hear. It's very, very important for you to actually understand that. I'm looking for where I put that note. Okay. Great. The same, uh, the, 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 we're going to look at the same first kings that we looked at. Okay. Uh, there is something that I want you uh, to actually look at from there. Okay, all otters can hear. First uh, Kings 13, uh, 1 to 2. First Kings 13, 1 to 2. It reads, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. As Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering, by the word of the Lord, he carried out against the altar. He said, Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. What is he speaking to? The altar. He says, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests. On the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. So altars can hear. That is why if there's an altar propagating darkness in your family, let me give you a prayer point. You can wake up and mention that altar. Say every altar. That has been erected in my family. Now, this prayer will be powerful tonight because you are praying with we are praying, you are praying it with revelation. Then you were just praying it as technical jargon that you continually hear. You know, if you are Pastor Now you will pray with revelation because you know otters here. Revelation brings power, revelation brings light. So you know that otters have got ears. Otters can speak and they have got ears. So if there's an otter speaking against you at your workplace, you can say, every otter speaking against me in my workplace, in the name of Jesus, be silent in Jesus' name. I pray over each and every one of you this evening that every demonic otter speaking against you in your workplace, speaking against your promotion, in your academics, speaking against you, speaking against your progress, in the name of Jesus, we speak against such otters. Be silent in the name of Jesus. Every otter has got a voice. It can hear. It can hear. It can hear. Hear, it can hear, it can hear. Every otter, listen to the words of my voice. I speak to you now. Otter, otter, you that is discrediting the church, you that is discrediting families, you that is discrediting the children of God, be silent in the name of Jesus. Those are the prayers we are going to pray this evening. Okay, take some time in the night, whether you wake up at 03, wake up and begin to pray like this. Let those otters hear. Okay, what you are saying, let them hear because they have got a voice. And if your altar has been silent as you are praying, begin to say, oh, my altar, I pray in the name of Jesus. Be awakened. The voices that have been silent on my altar begin to speak. Oh, precious Holy Ghost, begin to speak on my altar. My altar has been silent. Let it recommend me. Let it speak well of me. Let it bring promotion for me. Let my altar speak for me. In the name of Jesus.
Ora kashale maruli askatele gorianda dashka. Ora babishkatele kurianda baskule babila. Orianda gabaskotele brandigos kila mandolia. I hear the Lord say, there's someone here, the order of which you have been trying to challenge. You haven't been thinking that prayer does not work. God is telling me that the order you have been trying to challenge is powered by heavy sacrifice. And God is telling me that if you now begin to erect your altar, rebuild your altar, and pour sacrifice, remember when Elijah, okay, when Elijah wanted to challenge the prophets of Baal, remember that Elijah did not challenge the prophets of Baal. He just came, hey, I'm going to challenge the prophets of Baal. He didn't just call fire, no. Elijah first rebuilt the altar. And how many barrels of water did he put on the altar? Is it four? Okay, how many barrels of water did he put? I can't remember. He put about four barrels of water on the altar. Now, the barrels that he put on the altar was during a famine. That is sacrifice. How do you get those barrels of water and put them on the altar? Because he knew I'm about to challenge prophets of Baal and they are multitude in number. If I am going to challenge these prophets of Baal, I must rebuild the altar. And he got a sacrifice. That sacrifice was water because in his time, that water was very scarce because that's in the midst of a famine. It's not been raining for a long time. There is a famine. So he gets a lot of water and he puts it on that altar. So when Elijah calls fire, fire can come because fire responds to sacrifice. Fire will respond to the fact that your altar is alive. So many of you, the challenges you have been dealing with, let me tell you, it's not that prayer doesn't work. You are just dealing with an altar. Listen, some of the altars you have been dealing with have got sacrifices that have been put there for generations. People have been sacrificing there for generations. So you'll be saying, Pastor, me, I'm tired. Don't get tired now child of God pastor I'm tired we have been praying we have been praying as a family we are now tired just decide that okay this is what we are going to do for the next uh, for the next one month for the next two months no one in this house will eat breakfast and lunch you will see how the altars will break the demonic altars will break because you have now gone the way of sacrifice if the the prophets of Baal knew the way of sacrifice. When Elijah decided to say, let's go the way of sacrifice, they would have said, no, 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 don't go that way. Let's just challenge each other. But they didn't know that sacrifice is powerful. So they allowed Elijah to go the way of sacrifice. Listen, every time a, an enemy challenges you, go the way of sacrifice. Decide, I am not going to sleep. I am not going to. You must go the way of sacrifice. Okay? Some people bound themselves by an oath. Over Paul's life said, we are not going to do this thing until Paul, okay, has, 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 has been, has been apprehended. So you must be in a place where you go the way of sacrifice. When you are challenged, go the way of sacrifice. You notice that the witchcraft attack is becoming intense. Just go the way of sacrifice. Witches hate sacrificial people. They love people that don't know sacrifice. They love people that are lazy. They love people that are shouting Jesus but don't give that, are, that don't give to sacrificial living. They love such people because they know the law of altars is that the superior altar always wins so they know no matter how much you shout jesus jesus that thing won't break but when you go the way of sacrifice child of god so someone here you are listening to me something has been bothering your household something has been bothering your family something has been bothering you at school at work something has been bothering you don't worry just tell the witches to wait decide okay this month i'm not going to eat anything breakfast and lunch i won't eat and I will give six hours every day. I will give five hours every day to tongues. I will skip breakfast and lunch. I will only eat supper. And I will give to five hours of tongues. See how otters will flee. You will say fire and fire will fall. Let me end with this one. Elijah. Okay. Elijah's ministry. Many people say Elijah's ministry was that of fire. Okay. Many people say Elijah's ministry was that of fire. But a man called Tony Kemp, by the way, had a vision. Let me add this one in. I think it must be Tony Kemp, I should believe. I can't really remember his name. If not Tony Kemp, I'll need to look it up again. I think Tony Kemp had a vision. And when he met Elijah in a vision uh, in heaven, he, he asked Elijah, says, your ministry was, the, I mean, Elijah told him, many people think my ministry was that of fire. 
But my ministry was not of fire. My ministry was of rebuilding the altar. And he said that if I rebuild the altar, fire would fall. So my ministry was not of fire. Many people would see the fire, but they didn't know that every time I caught fire, I had to rebuild altars. So Elijah's ministry was that of rebuilding the altar. Some of you need to start rebuilding your family altars. To change things. Some of you need to rebuild your personal orders to change things. Some of you need to rebuild your couple orders to change things in that relationship. Some of you need to rebuild your educational orders. Some of you need to rebuild your business orders. You started well with your business. You would tithe from your business every time. You would pray every morning before beginning. Now you are trying to challenge. You are saying, Indians, I'm Indians, I'm Indians, you listen, when it's lunch, they will close. You are still selling. Them, they are praying. They will close that business they'll begin to pray and you are wondering why they are doing better than you their altar is superior sometimes they'll close say we are praying on friday they'll close at the same hour we are praying meanwhile your altar is so cold you even arrive at eight hours then when they come i, I deal with a lot of indians because i stayed in emma's day where many of them are they'll wake up in the morning they'll be chanting on their business they'll be chanting around the street moving as though they are taking walks you don't know they are chanting they are they are strengthening orders by the time you are waking up now offices even witches have closed their office that's when you are waking up Okay, you started well with your business order. You tithe from your business. You do, but you've stopped. Okay, you started well praying for your cup as a, uh, for the relationship. No wonder hell is breaking loose in that relationship. You started well, okay, you know, praying for the family, praying for the ministry. You started erecting that order, but you stopped. Listen, you need a very strong order. Okay, you need a very, very strong altar to counter the forces of darkness. So you must begin to rebuild the altar. So many of you, your assignment here, and I, I need to really end. Many of you, your assignment here is to start rebuilding the altar. How do I rebuild the altar? I think we'll deal with that later. But I feel, let me give you, uh, because it would be bad to end here also. You rebuild the altars by dedication, consistency, and sacrifice. Okay. What is dedication? Dedication is you saying, Lord, I am here. I dedicate 24 hours as the time I will pray. I dedicate 13 hours every time at lunch hour at my workplace. I will dedicate 30. Some of you, your order at your workplace will be 30 minutes of your lunch time. So when it's lunch, you just rush somewhere, maybe in your car, you lock yourself, you start playing some worship music in your car at lunch. That's what I did when I worked for Zesco. I, I, I set my altar ablaze. Even, even when people did not like me. One time I spoke against someone that was, you know, saying all sorts of terrible things. That was my boss. And he wanted me out of that internship. He even told me, what you're going to be doing here, we're going to write terrible reviews about you. At lunch hour, every time I'd go into the car, lock myself, play worship music, karamimboda, ikwete kwendega, ila kwalia dadia, sompe katikaya. 30 minutes, then I'll go back spend time with everyone, laugh, 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 laugh. They were trying to discredit me. The day he was trying to discredit me uh, for when they were supposed to write a review for me, the boss said, this one is being transferred. He was transferred. Why? My author spoke. Your author is cold. They are trying to fire you. Your author is quiet. <laughs> May your author not be quiet. Oh, let me speak like my Nigerian brothers and sisters. May your author not be quiet. Oh, <laughs> So you, you, you must set it ablaze. So some of you, your work order may be that 30 minutes before you, uh, 30 minutes of lunchtime is given to just being in the car. You, you read your Bible, read a few scriptures, one or two, you pray in tongues, you go back to the office, your order will come alive. Okay, begin to rebuild orders. Some of you, it's the family. While you're trying to rebuild a family order. Call for prayers in your house. Say, guys, I, I don't think this is normal. You may start alone. Some of your relatives and siblings may not show up. Just start. They'll start joining. Just tell your mother, tell your sister, tell whoever is in the house. Guys, what is happening in this family is not normal. Let's rebuild our family altar. Every night before going to bed, let's do one hour of prayer. Let's do, you know, 30 minutes of prayer before going to bed. You do 30 minutes as a family. You maintain it consistently. The family altar will start breathing again. Breathing again, breathing again. When witches want to enter, it speaks because it's breathing. So dedication, uh, consistency, 
and sacrifice. So you dedicate a certain time to God. Say, Lord, I give you this time. I consider this time sacred. It's between you and I. This is the time where I come to the altar. I dedicate this. I dedicate that I'll be giving 10th from my business. I dedicate that I'll be sowing from my uh, increase. This is for my business. I ded- You make a dedication. Then after you do that, you then now begin to do it consistently. Okay, because an altar, as a law of altars, let me throw this in. An altar is also a place of ritual where consistent, repetitive activity happens. So every altar is a place of ritual. The file on the altar shall be kept burning. So it must be done consistently. So the altar is also a place of ritual and consistency. Spirits are empowered by consistency. Okay, so you do consistent things. Then sacrifice. You will notice your altar will come alive. That's how you can rebuild an altar. So I hope you've been blessed. I know I've scampered around at the end, but I hope you've been blessed and I hope you are going to rebuild the altars. You can erect many altars, by the way. You don't just need to erect one altar. You can erect many. This is an altar for my business. Abraham erected about five altars, if you read the Bible, okay? About five altars. Littered every place he went to with altars. Okay, so erect as many altars as possible. This is an altar for my children. This is an altar for my business. And give every altar laws. Okay, this is what I'll be doing on this altar. So Lord, I'm dedicating this altar for my children. Every last Saturday of the month, I'll be fasting for my children. Okay, every last thing of this, it's for my education. Okay, every increase that comes from this, I will give it, it's for my business. So you create different altars and you begin to service them because every altar needs a human attendant. You start servicing, servicing, servicing. You will notice things in your life will begin to change. Every area you are noticing a weakness, erect an altar. When you notice a weakness in a certain area, erect an altar. You notice a weakness, oh, my marriage is failing, erect a marriage altar. Oh, my business is failing, erect a business altar. Our ministry is dying, erect a ministry altar. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory for this subject on altars. Lord, I am grateful for what you are doing. Lord, I pray that uh, in my limited words, you have uh, communicated and dropped something in someone's spirit. I know there is much to exhaust on the subject, but I believe, Lord, that something has dropped into someone that will help them uh, in warfare, that will help them in their day-to-day activity, that will help them in living. Father, I pray that you will empower people, give them wisdom to uh, erect altars, altars of generational blessings, altars of triumph, altars of victory, altars of power, altars of the anointing, altars of success and breakthrough. Help them erect such altars. Father, give them the strength to destroy demonic altars that are speaking against them, demonic altars that are standing against them and allowing their altar to fall down. We pray that these altars will come alive and destroy every other demonic altar. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Shalom. Shalom.